0: Good day, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the Gravel Ride Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Dalton. Have you been curious how professional gravel racers are spending their time during the pandemic, or how race directors are making the decision whether to go or no go on their events this year? Chris Lyman of Lyman Agency pulled together a Gravel Summit conversation on Thursday with race directors from SBT Gravel, Mid-South, Crusher and the Tusher, Dirty Kanza, RPI, Mammoth Tough, pretty much all the big events on the calendar along with pros Amanda Nauman, Colin Strickland, Casey Armstrong, Payson, Pete Stetna, Ted King, and a whole bunch of other media types in the gravel space, just to talk about how they're handling the pandemic, what their future's looking like for the rest of the year, what 2021 might look like for gravel racing. It was fun being a fly on the wall, and I hope you enjoy being a fly with me. And with that, here's the unedited conversation.
1: Thank you everybody for joining. Um, we're gonna get rolling here. So what we wanted to do here was uh, just sort of get everybody together and kind of do a check-in on where, where everything's at. It's obviously been a weird year. Um, there's been an event, but not all the events we expected or none of us are doing what we expected. So just sort of want to get, um, get uh, the viewpoint, of you pros and you event directors, some of the challenges that you've been facing, um, kind of what you're looking at going ahead and, and really just um, not not let gravel sort of pause while everything else is around it. Um, so who we have on the phone, is or, uh, on the phone, who we have on the video is Amy Charity from SBT, Bobby Wintle from Mid-South, uh, Burke Swinlehurst from Crusher and the Tusher, Whelan from Dirty Kansas, Rebecca Rush uh, from RPI, Amanda Nauman should be on, and Colin Strickland, Casey Armstrong, Payson, Pete Stetna, um, Ted King, and then Steve Matus, who is the executive director of NECA, is going to join us as soon as his um, board meeting is over in a few minutes. So one quick thing that uh, all of these event directors have done, and you will hear about tomorrow or Monday, is they have each donated an entry to their 21 event that will be put together for NICA for a golden ticket to gravel. So... Nothing like this has been done before, where somebody can literally win a guaranteed entry into the biggest races of the year, right? So as you all know, that's a pretty that's a pretty coveted thing for, well, maybe you pros don't know, but all the rest of us Joes do know how difficult it is to get in. So that will be a fundraiser for NICA that um, we'll see some information on soon. And um, thank you to all the event directors for being willing to do that and support the organization. So let's dive in. Um, in the scope of your uh, event history, guys, we're going to start with the event directors, um, and I'm going to hit a few of your questions. In the scope of your event history, how hard has this year been? And Bobby, let's start with you. Um, you are obviously your first up. Your event went forward. How, how tough was it? Because you, you sort of had your event just as all this was going down.
2: Um, So um, it was insane. It's been insane every year because we always try and up the ante, you know, um, but, but obviously this year, Wednesday evening. So Wednesday evening is when, um, the Utah jazz, were playing the Oklahoma city thunder. And most of the time I don't know anything about professional sports, especially the NBA because I'm very short and I'm very slow and I can't jump very high. Um, so anyway, the NBA got canceled that night and that was about 9 PM on Wednesday before Mid-South was slated to happen. And that's when the the pedal hit the metal with pressure. It was like, oh, our entertainment is at stake in the United States of America. Okay, now everyone is going to be paying attention. So uh, people were already in town. Vittoria, Vittoria was in the same hotel room as the Utah Jazz team in Oklahoma City that they had flown in for their big national sales meeting. So they immediately called that next morning, polled, um, so, I mean, needless to say, we ended, up with, we ended up with half the participants we thought that we were going to have. We had 3,250 slated to be here, and we had about 1,400 take to line, so less, less than half. And, um, yeah, we, we bought more hand-washing stations right out of the gate, so we had those peppered all over the place. And, um, you know, questions about aid stations were popping up about hands-on, hands-off. And, and, of course, none of this became a question until Wednesday evening. And so Thursday it's just like okay we're already slated to try and launch the spike with salsa we've got inside activities happening the city were, was talking to me about what the expo is going to look like if we could change how it was going to look and I told I told city government I just said hey you you tell me we we are either fully on or we are fully off like I'm not I'm not in a place right now where we can change little bits and pieces to try and make everyone happy like I will do whatever you tell me And if the hour before the event, you tell me that we're not on, then I will do whatever you say. So, I mean, obviously everyone in this group and everyone here has either been a part of a big event or they are the owner and or, um, you know, directors of said event. And they know how much stress is happening anyway. So um, just 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 throw in a global pandemic, uh, you know, two nights before (laughs) it it was it was insane. Um, The hardest part, though, man, was uh, the internal moral dilemma was just ripping me to shreds and our whole team, you know, we didn't, we didn't know what to do. We didn't have any guidance, um, from, from any, any, you know, any big government entity at the time because it was all happening right then and there. So just to say this, it happened, but honestly, it doesn't actually feel like the mid South happened this year. It feels still like a bit of a dream and it still feels like what we had planned and how many people I had, in my mind, I, th- I thought we'd f- have, at least for the first time, 6,000 people downtown, um, you know, waiting and just ready to just party and celebrate and see these racers come in and cheer on the DFL. And and it felt like year two, maybe maybe year three, as far as participants and the vibe, and no one was hanging out. So anyway, um, it, it we were just right on the cusp. I can't believe we got the race in. I still have no idea what the right answer fully truly would have been. I think that we were in a position where we had no right answer. And if we would have been 24 hours later that we wouldn't have had the race. So, um, Mm -hmm. it was crazy. It was nuts.
1: So Amy, um, you had to cancel, unfortunately what, um, you know, how obviously in your event history, this isn't going to be a good one, but you know, how tough was it in your second year? Even just getting really off the ground with the success of the first year how how tough how much of a sideball curveball was that
3: yeah no it's it's huge um yeah, we looked at really um, what all of our options were and could we hold this race and keep everybody safe and really, we realized that there was no way we could guarantee the safety um, My two partners and I sat down one day and went through what does this race really look like if we if we need to do temperature checks and if we need to space everybody out and all the different protocol and examples that we were getting. And we just came back to, this isn't going to be fun. And we we founded our race on values of fun and safety were the top two. And so as hard as it was to make the decision to cancel, um, it it became a no brainer after we went through that exercise. So, um, you know, we've had a fairly positive response from from our athletes, and they understand what's happening. And we feel that it was it was a responsible decision, both for the athletes, of course, for the volunteers, but definitely for co- the community of Steamboat. It's a it's a small town, and um, we we weren't told that we couldn't have a permit, but we still think it was. Uh, the right thing to do and they, uh, they were grateful when we called city planners and managers. they were really grateful that we did cancel.
1: So uh, Rebecca, you're, uh, you would be up next in the in the schedule events and then Leland um, obviously hearing Bobby and Amy and the challenges you know that they went through. what Re- Rebecca, what's going through your mind as, as you are looking you know trying to put this event your event together and, and, and Leland same question for you after uh, after Rebecca gets an answer.
4: Well, I think Amy, uh, stated it really well. And you guys know about my gravel shark ethics that I put together of how I, I operate my event and and S stands for safety. It's, it's the number one, um, it's the number one consideration, you know, all of us, none of us ride our bikes to risk our lives. We all ride our bikes to enhance our lives and, um, if one or many bike rides can't happen um, for the health of my hometown community, for the health of the riders that I care about, everyone on this call, um, then then that's sick. and so we are like like SBT gravel and Amy going through the the practice of. Can we provide a safe event? And if the answer is no, then then the decision will, will be an easy one. Um, well, not an easy one, the decision will be a logical one. And so absolutely that will be that's the factor that, that we're all looking at right now is number one, the safety of my community. And as you know, we're a very, very small mountain town. Um, at one point early in the pandemic, we had the highest um, we had the highest infection rate per capita in the entire United States. And that's because we're a tourist community and a whole bunch of people came here and um, brought the virus with them. And what I know now is that, you know, an estimated, you know, on the low end, 25 percent of people who are infected don't show signs, never know they had the virus um, and and could potentially be spreading it. So there's some some really, you know, considerations that are a lot different than just people having a cold or, or being sick. We just don't know. And, and so, yeah, like, like, I SBT gravel safety is going to be, um, the number one decision and decision-making factor for us.
1: Will you learn how about for you and DK?
5: Yeah, I think, uh, it's probably easy for a lot of folks, riders, participants to, um, lose sight of the fact that safety is all we think about as race promoters pretty much every year. Um, here in Kansas, we're thinking about tornadoes. Every year, when we run an event first week and after Memorial Day, there's a good chance a tornado is going to drop down right in the middle of a pack of a thousand riders, right? And so we're always fighting against that. If it's not tornadoes, it's where do we need water barriers to prevent auto terrorists from driving into a mass crowd of people, um, active shooter situations, all these types of things. So in some ways, this safety conversation isn't all that different but it is really different because it's a virus and this is a safety threat that we haven't even uh, put any ounce of energy into thinking about prior to this year so it brings all all kinds of you know new new things to think about and and figure out on how we run our event or if we run our event but like everyone else i don't think there's any question that um, not only those on this panel but most promoters across the board are always going to think safety first and it's not just the safety of our riders of course we love our riders but Emporia is my home I've lived in a few other places, traveled around, but this is where I was born. This is where I was raised. And I've had the good fortune of coming back to little old Emporia, Kansas, to help make Dirty Kansas um, a world-renowned event. And so you better believe I'm thinking about my, my dad and my grandma and my cousins and my friends and everyone that lives here year-round and the university that is um, figuring out if they should even have school this year. Last thing we want to do is um, jeopardize – everything that happens after a potentially postponed dirty kansas so there's so much to think about so much to try to figure out Um, but then you also have to think about the health of our economy emporia has come to rely on our disc golf tournaments and our dks and our gravel events and um, businesses could potentially shutter their doors and uh, businesses could be lost uh, forever if dk weren't to happen and so Man, is it tough, and is it complex, and is it stressful? We're not three days out like Bobby, thank goodness. But I feel like you've all seen Austin Powers where the henchman is standing in the hallway and Austin's driving that steamroller at a third of a mile per hour. Get out of the way, get out of the way. And like, wow. <laughs> that's what I feel like right now. It's just like, hurry up and come crush me already. <laughs> <laughs> well, so
1: um, – yeah. Figured that would get Bobby. Uh, so the pros and Payson, you get to be up first because you have uh, you have won the only big event so far this year. Well, I guess Pete, you get you get a nod in there too. But um, with the lack of this scheduled certainty and you know the the unknowns, um, what what have you been doing to to stay motivated?
6: Uh, howdy, everybody. Can you hear me? Okay, we can um well yeah you know when you uh when you win a race there's a certain level of uh momentum that you gain from that so I was still kind of riding a high just uh, as I as I did my training um after mid-south despite knowing that the season was likely going to be on hold for a while and it was a very strange time emotionally and psychologically because you know as uh I started listening to the news every morning and, and learning more and more about the scope of the situation. There's certain certainly a level of, you know, low-grade, um, I don't want to say melancholy or depression, but just there's sort of a, a general malaise, I guess, and so um, I was definitely feeling that, but I also, you know, had amazing form and had had a, a highlight and um, that kind of lifted my spirits so is this weird sort of oxymoron um but that said i'm i'm a rider that uh enjoys training at least as much as racing um i think that's one of the been um, a secret for me in regards to sticking with the sport and staying in the sport is I really, really just love the process of training, um, and the daily grind. And so in terms of staying motivated, I think I've probably had an easier time than some. Um, but that said, it, it absolutely comes and goes still. Um, for a little while, I used the the early season residual fitness to go terrorize the local Strava segments. And we have such a, an incredible, uh, professional racing community here in Durango that, it just became this uh, bloodbath of Strava racing for <laughs> a few weeks. Um, and then after that, I think we all kind of got over it and are, are changing course a little bit and looking for new challenges. Um, Rebecca did something really incredible the other day, bringing a lot of us together for her giddy up for good challenge. Um, and that was a, a, a big uh, carrot to chase in regards to keeping up some big miles. Um, but I also really enjoy content creation. I have my podcast, I have, you know, some video projects and those keep me engaged and uh, kind of maintaining a, a level of, uh, I guess, a, a semblance of a work day. Um, and, you know, at the at the end of the day, uh, there's no shortage of, of challenges for bike riders, even if they don't involve number plates, whether that's, you know, fastest known time attempts or, exploring new trails or uh getting into you know bike packing or different disciplines for the first time so um it's certainly been an adjustment but i think one of the the strengths that i've felt so far of of our cycling community is uh seems like a lot of people have been good about coming up with ideas that include others even if we are separated um and so personally i've benefited a lot from that and you know folks like rebecca continue to motivate me to try to come up with ways to do that for others also. So um, all all in all, it's been hard, and I would much prefer to be racing right now, um, but generally speaking, it's been uh, not an all bad change of pace, if that makes sense.
1: Yep. Amanda, how about you? Amanda Nauman.
7: Hey, guys. It's good to see all of you, first of all. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's a good question. And I would be lying if I said that I was super motivated this whole time. (laughs) Um, I definitely haven't been. It was for sure a struggle through the end of March. That's for sure. And then I think as soon as we realized through the end of summer was kind of thrown away and we needed to pivot towards something else. Um, I think it's just a a matter of changing goals and that was how I was able to stay motivated You know, you just pick some different projects to start working on doesn't have to be event based And luckily I have sponsors like a lot of the other athletes on this panel that i'm sure were saying hey No events like there's probably some other things that you can put on your calendar projects video projects whatnot Um, so that's kind of what i've been staying motivated with. Um originally i had planned to do this big fkt thing in the fall anyways and it's actually given me time to focus on that which is nice um i probably would have been a bit more scatterbrained with all the other events and not been able to focus on it so yeah that's been fun
1: so colin uh same question to you especially as you'd be two days away from uh, lining up to defend your dirty kansas title from last year
8: Hey everyone. Um, let's see. I, I, unlike, well, unlike many racers, I am not really a pro a training process driven person. I love racing. I like riding and I love training, but that's not really my passion in life. Um, I'm too distracted. So I've been finding it a little hard to maintain fitness per se or race fitness, but, uh, it's given me kind of a leash to kind of chase other other projects in life. Um, but yeah, it's um, it's been interesting here in Austin and like a conservative state with like a uh, like a liberal populace, kind of navigating it. Yeah, sorry, little out so yeah, it's it's kind of hard, like say, because again, I I feel like I've let the fitness kind of drop off a little bit. I don't think I'd be ready to race competitively and win Dirty Kansas this weekend, but we're not doing that. So, um, yeah, I, I think eventually the smoke will clear. No one really knows when. It seems like no one knows when the it's going to be PC and safe to you know safe to have hold you know mass start races again. And I don't. I think being in gravel, this is a unique event where it's not just entertainment it is a participatory model whereas we can't just have a pro race with 50 of the top riders that's just not the point and it will never happen that way uh being that gravel is completely driven by community aspect and that's really at the heart of it even more so than we're just kind of the entertain like the little entertainment sparkle at the front of the race but really it's about everyone who's there completing it. So, um, I'm curious to see what the promoters think cause that, that's really would be your decision, but I can't imagine we would have one of these events with just, you know, a bunch of pros who got tested for COVID racing the event, you know, with no one else there.
1: Good question. We're going to come to that in, a, in, a, in just a couple of minutes. So Casey Armstrong, how about, uh, how about you, since you're a, I guess you could say a multi-disciplined athlete like Payton, um, what have you been doing to stay motivated with, with the year that is going to be more complicated too, right? With everything compressed into the fall for most.
9: Um. Yeah. I, I don't know. Can you guys hear me right now? Am I showing up? Yep. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. I feel like, you know, Pace and I are very similar in that we both race mountain bike and gravel and probably almost anything you can ask us to race, but it seems like I'm a little bit more on Colin's side with the, I'm definitely not chasing training right now. And I enjoy racing. I enjoy adventures a lot. And honestly, this COVID has been able to like allow me to be at home exploring new routes and sure. I'm not like in race shape, but I'm always out, you know, doing six hour rides. And what Rebecca did this weekend was amazing because It wasn't like I was really fit for something, but it was a goal and that felt good again to like chase after that. But yeah, it's hard to be motivated to train right now because honestly, it is hard to imagine doing an event anytime soon. I sure hope we do. But at the same time, it's really nice to see people like Rebecca and even like Amy. It's just like hopefully we can make events where... Maybe we're not all together, but we're doing something and conquering a goal. And I'm, yeah, it's hard to be super motivated. Like, I'm definitely on Colin's pace right there. It's just like, I don't know what I'm training for. So, why am I going to go out and do a 20 minute interval? I'm probably just going to go enjoy the day and like do a four to six hour ride. So, it is hard, but. Also, I love making new content and motivating other people, and it's given me a chance to be at home and being my community a little bit more and motivate them. So, yeah, just day by day, seeing what happens. So, yeah.
1: Yep. And so Pete, you, you might be, uh, you have the unique distinguishing quality here of being, have being beaten, not once, but twice by mountain bikers this year. So, uh, how are you staying motivated as you're crushing KOMs too?
10: Oh, I'm just visualizing getting Payson and Jeff Kabush back. I just, I ride out of <laughs> anger and hate every day. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. You know, um, it's it's really interesting hearing everyone talk right now because you realize how uh, all all of us racers and the promoters we are an entrepreneurial and very creative tribe and um, it is I I'm the same as everyone else where I am pivoting a lot of things and trying to create alternative content for. Uh, people who are interested in in my career change and for sponsors that have put their faith in me I feel indebted to them that they've stood by me. So, you know, that is a major focus of mine um, I have uh, a couple fun projects coming up. that will be announced soon um, just in uh, Yeah, I'm just trying to uh, it seems like a switch flipped recently in like the last week and um I, I have started training again because I do, whether or not the racing comes back, there will be some things happening in the near future. And even that is just enough motivation to, to start pushing. So, um, all that stuff will be announced soon. And, um, in the meantime, uh, yeah, I, uh, one recent big, uh, unforeseen expense is I have gone down the whole van life wormhole, which is an addictive and horrible thing. But uh, I realize it's also me just trying to do my part of the entire uh, COVID situation. So I can, you know, I think air travel and hotels are going to be one of the last things to come back online. So, um, you know, I'm trying to be self contained. I can get to events when all these good organizers here finally have a, uh, an alternative plan and a, a best practices, so I can uh, do my part and still show up for for every for for myself and my my sponsors and. Um, Yeah. Good deal.
1: So looking at you and
11: Bobby Everest.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Looking at looking at you and Bobby and Payson, I feel like I made a mistake shaving today. Um all right. So uh let's see. Let's go on to now Gravel. Um somebody said it, Gravel is really about community um and partners. And how um how are are you all keeping community and partners involved and, and Creating that sense of spirit. And Ted, I know you really, I thought you came up with a very clever idea. So do you want to start with uh, with what uh, DIY Gravel's all about?
12: Sure. Um, and man, Pete, two things. One, it's a hands-free mic, so you don't have to hold it to your mouth. But two, <laughs> we're probably going to copy you because we've been talking about getting a van. And so well done jumping on that. Although I suppose we're just all copying Payson because he's been doing this for a while.
10: Do I have um, to take
12: after I talk? Over,
10: over. <laughs> sorry, yeah.
12: Um, Yeah, I mean, I the 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 <laughs> genesis of DIY gravel was uh, you know I, I wear a couple hats. One is an ad, as an athlete. One is as content creator. One is uh, as event promoter. With with I literally wear the shirt rooted Vermont. Um, and it it became such a bummer to see these events come and go like. Uh, they're getting pushed off the calendar or down the calendar or, or off entirely and you know How do you still honor an event because collectively there are thousands and tens of thousands of people among all the events who had something on their calendar? Like beginning April 18th with the Rasputitsa, beginning like everybody who is going to do dirty Kansas knows exactly what May 30th is in two days Like how do you how do you still promote something and make something positive here? Um, so, you know, I reached out to my sponsors and said hey I, I'd, I'd like to to Create a giveaway. Create a contest. Make it make it something that that everybody could uh, be part of. And another hat I'm wearing now is as as the marketing side of Untapped, uh, the sports nutrition company that I co own. We we're getting a ton of um requests for sponsorship of virtual challenges now, and you know there's a virtual challenge popping up all the freaking time, especially as events are canceled, and you know. There are an abundance of them. Um, DIY gravel is virtually the same thing. So I totally recognize how how uh, saturated that market is. That said, it's amazing, this community of folks who want to be part of it. Uh, as of today, we have over 3000 entries over the past two months. Uh, the number is only going up. So it's a cool way to be part of a community. It, the outpouring of support, the notes that are coming out are absolutely, you know, they're incredible. It's like, it's it's a thankfulness for doing this thing, which on my, I'm just scratching my head, saying like, all I'm doing is telling you guys to go ride your bike. Um, so you know, it shows it shows the collective interest of a community. Um, people are happy. People are riding. All things good on two wheels.
1: Good deal, Leland. Um, so you you actually DK had one of the first, um, I guess, cancellations, if you will, with with your camp, with the camp that was scheduled in April. Um, so what what have you been doing? To you, obviously, have sponsors, partners, lots of people to keep happy, as well as riders. What have you guys, you know, what are you guys doing in the interim? As as you, you're obviously not canceled yet, but you've got a gap, right, in your timing that you had to make up for.
5: Yeah. So for for camp, we uh, pivoted and went virtual. It's uh, one of the most obvious options, but we used a platform called Kajabi, which is absolutely brilliant, in my opinion. And if you didn't get to see that virtual camp. Um, It was pretty fantastic. We had, um, basically we recorded and live streamed various seminars, uh, mechanics talks, Um, We put routes out there and it showed some footage. There's all these kinds of things you would have normally seen at camp and then some things that we wouldn't have normally done at camp and it worked out really, really well. It was just a $10 charge to join and Lifetime kept no profits. All the proceeds went to the Greater Emporia Area Disaster Relief Fund, which is supporting businesses that are struggling through this um, time of coronavirus. Um, So it was a really cool deal. And that led us um, to explore more opportunities with this specific platform. Um, And we're doing our virtual expo this week. In fact, that's live now. So the All Things Gravel Expo is a big, big component of Dirty Kansas. Many, many people are calling it the, the sea otter of gravel. We were slated to have upwards of 150 unique vendors here this year. Um, It's a sizable expo and with that, because of the size and the number of people here, a lot of brands um, are launching products at the DK Expo and they lost that platform. They lost the big part of their strategy of uh, we wanted to use DK Expo to communicate this. Well, now we're giving them that opportunity virtually. And so if you get on to the Virtual Expo, which is of course free, no charge to, to get in there and participate in that, um, the, you can uh, look at all the sponsored booths. There's a few different categories. So there's sponsor booths, you click on that and it's going to give you every sponsor or um, exhibitor that would have came and, and wanted to participate in this content. Um, from there you can break it down even further. For example, bikes, you can look at all the bike sponsors and there's something like six bikes being given away through various competitions and contests and, and uh, things that they're doing. Um, there's the expo stage. Um, so much like you would see on a stage with presentations and talks like we've done in the past in the Granada Theater, you're gonna, you're gonna see TED Talk style conversations and panels going on that you can tune in and watch, um, things like that. Um, you can even see, I think Saturday at 6 p.m., there's a DK merchandise fashion show featuring uh, Dick Cummings and yours truly. Um, watch for the comedy, if nothing else. Um, get some DK merch. And then on top of that, you know, Ted already mentioned the the do it yourself gravel. Um, Lawrence Tendam is doing um, his dirty canceled, dirty canceled this week. And uh, it's pretty fantastic. And I've been trying for like four years to get that guy to come to DK. And every year he'd tell me, oh, yeah, I'm going to retire this year. And then I'm coming to DK. And it took four years. And now he's retired and was going to come to DK. And we may not have a DK for him to come to. Um, But anyways, um, so virtual rides, ride where you're at kind of stuff. And then just content creation. You know, when I put my um, owner of Gravel City hat on a bike shop here in town, um, we've been doing a series called Gravel Exchange where we're talking with um, gravel promoters, enthusiasts, influencers from around the globe. um, And just doing a video chat and sharing a little bit about the events that they're doing and bringing um, worldwide gravel um, to our audiences so folks can at least feel like they're learning new stuff. And we've, we've got content from um, the bird in Jutland in Denmark, you know, Jeroboam in Italy. Um, you may even see Ted King and uh, rooted Vermont, even Amanda and, and Dave in there. And uh, anytime Ted and I get together virtually or in person, you can uh, better bet there's some syrup being consumed. So,
1: um, <laughs> nice. So Amy, how about you? What uh, I, I remember seeing some stuff via email that that you guys have planned. How are you keeping connected? And again, especially as a second year event, you know, you you guys really hit it last year, but um, obviously that's got to be a, a touch scary, um, knowing that uh, you know things things really pulled back.
3: Yeah, we're really looking to keep the riders engaged and keep something on the calendar. So we think that's important something and a reason to continue to train especially for the book of our audience where they just want a reason to go out and, and ride their bikes. So we've come up with um, SBT BRTL. It's our virtual ride that will happen on August 16th and we've identified cities across the U.S. where we'll have routes that are available. People can choose to ride those routes or ride any route that day so essentially we're trying to ensure that our sponsors stay engaged and we have an opportunity to really promote their product and then also our riders to have a reason to to train to stay motivated to feel like gosh if i have 140 miles that i'm trying to do in my hometown i better stay on the bike so that's the idea and um in place of wherever you are, you do that virtual ride. So um, it's, it's certainly not the same as all gathering together in Steamboat, but we think it's a, a good option given the situation and what we're, what we're able to do.
1: Yeah. So Bobby, um, obviously you guys would be past at this point, but you're also a shop owner and, and I know you really um, sort of drive the interest level in, in your community um how are you keeping your community and you know and your your partners involved um not Definitely. not only in the covid time but just you know you have you occupy that first spot of the year right you got to keep everybody occupied with all this other stuff's going on too
2: yeah yeah so i mean we've obviously traditionally if regular events were happening we've we've done you know like dirty cans of talk nights at the shop or we've We honestly, though, we we have five group rides at a minimum that leave district every single week. And of course, they're all canceled. They've all been canceled. Um, A few people have met on our our traditional Monday fun day at the gravel lot, you know, a couple blocks south of the shop and done a Monday ride on their own terms anyway. But um, what Seth Seth Wood came up with that I was so blown away by, um, we we like to make fun of things and we like to uh make plays on words and so everyone I'm sure is aware of this the brand Supreme and so we came up with Surpeme um a while back uh through I don't remember how we came up with it but anyway Serpeme, Surpeme S U R P E M E with the little dash over the top and so we made bottles um, that we wanted to uh, disseminate to to spread the Surpeme across the world before mid-south so they were available in the shop but then of course A lot of people didn't come, so we had a lot left over. So Seth was like, why don't we come up with this ride with GPS calendar of however many routes we decide we want to come up with. We can just keep adding them. And then people have to hashtag Serpime Ride Solo Challenge. And then if they did three, they could get a bottle. If they did five, they could get the whole package of um, old Land Run and new Mid-South zines that Seth has always done by hand. And so we gave like little carrots. And so now if someone does all 10 of them, um, which is like over 500 miles at this point, then we, we haven't even decided yet, but we're going to do something special for those people. So we're going to keep pumping that and keeping it going um, We, we didn't really sponsor it. We, we didn't partner with any sponsors and I'll be honest. We, we closed for about a week after, after the race, just to decompress. Um, Physically clean the store because it was full of mud Um, a bunch of french fries were left over I don't know where those came from Payson Uh, Anyway, just kidding. So uh, we we just had to clean the shop and and get our heads on straight And I had to get my voice back because it was gone for like two and a half days. And so After we opened back up we have been pedal to the metal. It has been full-on You know $500 to $1,000 bikes out the door as many as we can do in a day and we're running out of bikes actually right now, which is crazy. And I know it's happening globally, which is phenomenal, but also like really wild and not sustainable. Um, but anyway, we haven't thought forward really. I, um, I haven't been able to, to chew on anything to to tell you the truth, like to, to sit here and say, I have like some professional idea of what's supposed to happen next March and um, something to keep obviously all of our partners and sponsors happy. I, I don't have anything right now. I'm going to keep looking to the community and to my friends and, um pushing things like diy gravel that ted has come up with like we don't need to recreate the wheel because dude ted like it's it's an incredible idea we've got the local challenge thing happening for specific routes but like you created something that i think we can all use so depending on what's happening in the spring there i just want to say this there is absolutely no replacement like amy said for being together being together is why this is all so popular because we get to see where we stack against others, where we get to stack against a certain course, against ourselves, you know, whether the conditions are crazy, like there's no replacement, there's no virtual, there's no online platform that can do what all of our collective events and all of our collective personalities bring to a space and a time. And so like, I, obviously I want it to be safe and I want things to to go back to whatever normal is. But right now, like, um, for 2021, I'm I'm a little bit lost, and I think that's an okay thing for us to feel.
1: So let's talk about events, you know, going forward, or what 2021 or you know this time might look like. What what does socially distanced gravel look like? You know, how do, how does that stoke? How do you preserve that stoke of all the reasons that people were drawn to gravel in the in the first place? Um, and, you know, again, let's, Rebecca, let's start with you because you would be up next. Um, love to hear your thoughts on that.
4: Okay. Um, what does it look like? I mean, I, I'm with Bobby. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I don't know what it looks like. Um, what I do know is, is, and this was part of, of launching Giddy Up Challenge last weekend, is that I, I needed motivation. I love to ride my bike and I, I keep going back to why we all ride, why we started our events, um, especially gravel. You know, where, where, where did the initial motivation come from? And it was exploration. It was going, you know, the gravel less traveled, going off the beaten path. And there weren't a bunch of people around. And so I keep going back to the core and you know I've I've said this before but there is no roadmap for where we're going so you know when you ask me wh- what does a large gravel event look like in 2021 I don't know because we don't have a trail map for this we've never been here before but but we have our internal compass we know why we launched our events we know why we personally ride and that is really what ha- Ted is doing what I did with giddy up challenge it's like we can't create what we want what we had before right now but we can create something that still meets our goals meets our sponsors needs meets our personal needs you know i needed motivation just like you know amanda was saying i wasn't motivated to ride my bike as an athlete and so the initial giddy up challenge was for me like to get off my butt and it turned out that other people needed that same thing too and so you're seeing a lot of us are in our own different way we're still trying to check the box the box of why we're here and i think as we grasp for answers and how it's going to look i just keep going back for me i just keep going back to why i ride why i launched my event what riding means to me and how we achieve those goals what the tactics are to get there i don't know um but i just have to keep going back to what's in my heart and, and like the genesis of gravel and you on a bike and and what that means and together with 1500 people but if we can't um we still are so lucky we can safely ride our bikes we can get outside we can have that spiritual emotional connection and we can connect with each other digitally it's not the same but it's way better than not connecting at all so that was kind of a non-answer but that's the i'm just using my internal compass to guide me and i don't know i don't know how it's going to look
1: yeah, so I think um, I want to open that question up to everybody, and then I want to give a chance. I wanna, we're running out of time quickly here. We promised. I know you all have uh, a lot of you guys have to run at the top of the hour, so um, I want to throw that question out to everybody else um, if you've got a thought on it, and then open it up to media for questions. And media, if you have any challenge asking the question, just type it in the chat, and uh, and we will ask it for you. So anybody else? Yeah, I'd like to say
10: one thing. Um, you know, one thing that really surprises me is I am blown away. Like I said before, about by the creativity of this group, you know, I'm talking to, I am not worried about the future of gravel right now because it, there's so much still being invented and there's so many ideas. And I mean, I talked to my colleagues from the world tour and they're just sitting at home, listening to their employer, telling them to get on a Zwift ride here or there. And there, there's no backup plan. If the tour doesn't happen, they're in a bad way. This whole group right here, you guys are continually reinventing. We're, we're pivoting around, you know, Eversting ideas and, and FKTs and, and everything in between. Um, you know, whatever the best practices are <laughs> around gravel, you're not in a Peloton at the end of the day. I think it's just really gonna be you know the start finish festival which is the best part of gravel but i mean soon a lot of places will have groups of up to 50 people per se um you know after 20 minutes of the race that's you're more or less socially isolated <laughs> so it's really just going to be about um you know how do we have a best practices around aid stations and that start finish and i mean i don't want to be alone and you know having to eat a pre box meal and and go home, you know, that's not the point, but this group will figure it out, and I'm really bluntly not worried.
6: Anybody else
1: want to jump in on this one?
6: I'd just like to say I really appreciate that that positivity, Pete. Um, I've been so impressed with the attitude you've brought from a world of structure and rigidity. Um, and the way that you've uh, I mean I wouldn't say that you've changed and adapted because I didn't know you before maybe this was just your right home all along but uh, uh, really appreciate the the kind words that you have for the community there and uh, i I couldn't agree with you more I mean I think all of us have some entrepreneurial tendencies and that's probably one of the reason that one of the reasons that we're all doing better professionally and uh, you know psychologically. <laughs> during this time
5: so i think uh reba exactly right the beginning of gravel was exploration right you think about the trans iowas and the early dirty kansas it was about exploring it, yeah they were races and we oftentimes announced a winner but man that was so secondary or tertiary to what the real point of the whole thing was about in the first place so for 2021 and beyond i think you're going to see some more Solo pursuit style stuff. You know, you, Ren Reba is a shining example of someone who continually reinvents and goes and finds new challenges. So I'm going to put a challenge out there, and this challenge is uh, first and foremost to Bobby and myself, and then to some of the athletes here, and then and then out there, all, all over the place. But we've long thought of something like a um, gravel the Great Plains. You know, you think of a tour divide style challenge, which is a, an iconic route that can be completed at any time. Um, you can have a time trial records and record keeping on it. Well, um, gravel stretches from, from Canada and Mexico and uh, either either direction. So we've, for years, probably what, 10 years, Bobby, we've yeah. Of, of connecting a route from uh, north to south um, border of the United States and so uh, maybe there's challenges out there for gravel specifically um, that are ultra ultra long even individual-esque um, or very small group style challenges that can be presented and and I think promoters and athletes alike are gonna have to say man uh, you know are, are we leaving the even the 200 mile rides uh, for something that looks a little bit more like this Come on, Pete. I see you.
2: Yeah. Well, there, there you have it. There you have it, folks. Uh, Gravel the Great Plains is no longer just our secret. Here we are.
5: <laughs> Ten years is a long time to keep that to ourselves.
1: <laughs> How about the uh, Northeast, Ted? I, I, I remember you mentioning something that you have planned along these lines.
12: Um, so this weekend I'm going to be doing a 300 mile ride, which is not well, 312. So you know, Dirty Kansas is is often a you know, such a big part of my season. That's sort of how I how we got into this whole gravel bit. Um, so while I wanted to do a a full DKXL, I'm connecting the northeast corner of Vermont to the southwest corner of Vermont, and 90% gravel roads. Um, it'll be probably about a 20-hour adventure, but I've never ridden more than a mere 216 miles once, so who knows what happens in the next 100 miles. Um, so, yeah, I mean, stuff like that is motivating me, um, and, you know, that that's coming on the heels of, I announced that probably two hours after we announced that we, we were canceling Rooted Vermont this year, um, and that, you know, to go from a, a real low low to a, to putting that out there and just the the outpouring of support was pretty tremendous. Um, because I mean, this is a new reality and I don't want to get dour because I love the positivity of this group, but like, instead of thinking about what events are going to go on later in the fall, like we need to be thinking now about 2021, what that looks like, because it is a far cry. What we've seen in the past, it's not 2019. Like it, it frightens me. And so, you know, this, this, the positivity here and doing things independently, um, that is, it's both fun and it's a stopgap in a way, because at the end of the day, like we are a community. What's been really fun about this group and hearing everybody talk is like, I've been on a bunch of event panel meetings and then I've done things individually, like done Pete's Swift ride. Uh, I've been poorly texting Payson for the past couple of weeks. Um, and so I'm, I'm paying attention and, and communicating with you all, but this community is so cool because it's it's drawing together uh, bits and pieces from the entire cycling community, minus. The entire masses, which is why we're recording this. Um <laughs> You know, it's 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 a new reality. Um and it's one that we are leaders, whether we are event promoters or athletes or ambassadors, people are chomping at the bits so hard for something to do. Um, and that's the success of Giddy Up. That's the success of DIY gravel. That's I mean, good grief. How many people want ever sing this past past weekend? It's nuts. And we need to be the change we want to see um and you know that's going to be a sobering reality for a bit
1: all right anyone else want to jump in I here before we, we like three, yeah, ones. yeah who wants to follow that up <laughs> do we have any media that want to ask a question i have more we have more topics but I, we want to give you guys time in case anybody wants to ask questions um all right uh burke we haven't heard from you um i think burke yes i see T bird in there so burke uh what what are where are you at thinking about you know here just hearing what ted said hearing about you, you as, a, as a former elite athlete as well as an event director you know where where where's your head in all of this and where everything is right now
11: well geez i mean that 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 changes from moment to moment Um, (laughs) Honestly, I I just keep coming back to, you know, it is it is tough not to get down sometimes and and I've definitely had my shares of ups and downs the last couple of months, Um, but I keep coming back to the fact that we as human beings were very industrious and there's a reason why we're at the top of the food chain and we're going to we're going to figure this out, it's going to happen. we're we're gonna persevere. I have no doubt about it. And things are gonna look different. You know, trying to figure out what best practices are gonna look like for our events, and uh, you know, just kind of everything. The, the greatest, I'd say, the greatest thing right now is the fact that we're we're kind of stepping into the unknown, and that's super scary. But it's also kind of exhilarating. Um, and I'm I'm personally excited to see what comes out of this. Not just from you know from the terms of just uh, cycling and, and gravel events or whatever, but like, how's the world going to change? You know, are we going to put our best foot foot forward and innovate and find new ways to interact and, and enjoy each other? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I personally, I'm, I'm pretty, um, I feel pretty positive about what's, what's ahead for us. And I'm really excited to see what it's all going to look like. Cause I, I know we're going to innovate. We're going to do stuff. It's going to happen.
1: Excellent. So we probably have time for one more question, and I'm going to throw a completely different curveball in here. We're going to rem- we're going to do a little Monday, uh, or uh, well, not sorry. We're going to do a little little look back. I want to hear from the pros about the race that you have gone the deepest in, whether you won or lost, and then throw some numbers out there. Everybody, well, some people love to geek out on numbers. So the race you went the deepest in, whether you won or lost, and then give us your power and your, and your kilojoules. Colin, why don't you go first? Because you, again, would be racing this weekend uh, or defending this weekend. So let's hear it. Uh,
8: all right. Race that I remember going deepest in was attacking Ted at the Rift Iceland last year. That was, that was ex- probably the deepest I went all year to put some, like, Make a crack in the in the end of that race was so hard, yeah. Iceland, I don't remember the effort exactly, honestly. Let's say let's say a lot.
12: <laughs> Mucho.
1: Ted, since you got uh, name checked on that, you wanna you wanna go?
12: Um, we got a baby. We got a baby.
1: I'll Whoa. be quick
12: because she's just waking up and we will probably cry.
1: Uh, so
12: mine. I was actually looking this up today. A two hundred on one hundred is a chris knows it well it's a ride from the northern part of vermont to the southern part of vermont it's 200 miles entirely on one road which i was looking up this stat we did it in 2015 216 miles at 9 hours 32 minutes which means you're going 22.7 miles per hour uh that was a ridiculous day which is akin to a dirty kanza which i think i did 275 watts for 10 hours and 34 minutes until Colin crushed my previous award winning time. Uh, I'm glad to hear it, Colin, that you went deep there, because as you slowly and then quickly rode away from me, I was empty. A million kilojoules. How's that for an answer?
1: <laughs> Good answer. All right. Who else, who else wants to go? Give us some more numbers guys.
4: I have some numbers from uh, Iditarod Trail Invitational. <laughs> mm. So that was um, moving time, 140 hours uh, in, the, in Alaska. And uh, my coach, Tim, uh, estimates uh, 91,000 kilojoules of, uh, of, yeah, in 140 hours of riding slash walking. As far as power, I don't know, because I didn't have a power meter on my bike, but, uh, and I was walking half the time. But I got that one.
1: <laughs> All right, you win you win the killer for sure. Uh,
4: who else wants to go?
1: Pete, Payson, Amanda. I know you guys are power geeks.
6: Um,
10: <laughs> go Payson.
6: I was just gonna say a quick segue with Rebecca there. I mean the deepest I've ever gone uh Physically and psychologically, was the White Rim fastest known time effort I did. But in terms of numbers, uh, I went somewhere I hadn't before on Monday, thanks to Rebecca, and that was uh, eleven thousand kilojoules in fifteen hours, um, and uh, also thirty thousand feet of single track descending. I'm almost like more scarred by the thirty thousand feet of descending than the climbing um, on single track. So, Rebecca. Thank you for being totally crazy and inspiring and uh, making us all short race folks do wild things. That was fun.
4: Anytime, Payson, anytime.
1: (laughs) Casey, how about you? And then Pete and Amanda.
9: Well, I do actually have a really funny story with two of the ladies on here. It was at Rebecca's race, but, um, I guess my highest KJs would actually. I'm along with Payson on Saturday. I think it was 14 hours for me to get 30,000 feet, and it was like 9,000 KJs. But my best story of like the deepest I went was two years ago at Rebecca's private Idaho, and I was winning the stage race, and then the last day, which is 100 miles. Um, I guess like 40 or 50 miles in, maybe even sooner than that, I was in the lead group and I really had to pee. And I thought, I'll just pee right here. This is a great idea. And I'll just catch the group. Like it won't be that big of a deal. But I'm a mountain biker. That was a very poor decision. So I like peed and I never caught the group. But like at mile 60 or 70, I thought, oh no, like I've lost this entire stage race because I peed but I caught Amy and I told Amy, I was like, Amy, if you'll work with me, I swear I'll let you win this. Like, I'll let you win this. As long as I win the stage race, I need this. And I just remember the two of us working so hard together and we passed so many guys and none of the guys would help us. And we got really frustrated, but the last climb we saw Kieran who is in the lead. And I was like, okay, Kieran. or, we're coming for you, and I was like, "Amy, let's go, let's go," and she's like, "No, go without
4: me." And I was
9: like, uh, "No, come on." She's like, "No, you got this. Just go get her." And I just remember being super motivated and like dug so deep, caught Karen, and it was a sprint finish. And the moto guy got us some film, and that was pretty fun. So, yeah, <laughs> that
1: was. Amanda, how about you? You, you- Amanda, you've taken a few scal- scalps in your time. Uh, what? Uh, how about you?
7: <laughs> yeah, I had time to actually look at my numbers. Um, but I always think of the 2015 Dirty Kanza because that was the mud year. Um, and I think I went the hardest that year because at the riders meeting the night before, Rebecca was on stage. And she was like talking about how she's this diesel engine, and she likes chasing people. And I was so scared. <laughs> Cause like right away in the mud in the beginning, I got away. And like literally for the next 14 hours, I was just thinking, she's going to catch me at some point. (laughs) Um, but yeah, my normalized power was one eighty three for just over 14 hours, which isn't that crazy, but for a girl, it's pretty good.
1: And Pete, that can be a gravel race, mountain bike race, world tour race, whatever you choose.
10: Oh, uh, the deepest is probably the, uh, in the world tour, the Stelvio stage of the Giro. Um, one year we did the double Stelvio the year Tom Dumoulin pooped on the side of the road. I was there, <laughs> saw that in person, <laughs> but, um, you know, just climbing it twice. It was something crazy, like 17,000 feet of vert in a 200 K state. It was just stupid. Um, yeah, just, uh, totally empty. Uh, there was also the year that Ryder won the Giro on the Stelvio and I helped him, but you know, the team was so concerned with him that, uh, they just kind of left me to my own devices and I had to get up the Stelvio after selling out for them with just a little can of Coke. And then I got to the top and I had doping control and it was snowing (laughs) and, uh, I got really sick after that. Um, (laughs) in gravel, uh, last year at the Belgian waffle ride attacking Ted. So I think there's a theme here. Hashtag everyone attacked Ted. Um, that was, uh, that was high power forceful. There was, there was a hard day. Um, this year it was Bobby's mid south. I mean that peanut butter mud, it was like a six hour hill climb. I mean, you had to earn every pedal stroke. If you coasted through a corner, you stopped. So, uh, for the watt geeks, I mean, I'm a light guy. I'm a, that's probably like 140 pounds there. And I averaged 300 Watts for the day. That was, that was insane. Um, and payson verified that with me at the finish because he was also blown away by those numbers i remember having that conversation tomorrow i'm going to have a big one i'm doing lauren's 10 dams dirty canceled i'm here in lake tahoe and i'm going to burning man uh black rock wilderness home of the burning man it's going to be uh, quite an experiential journey so that's going to be the next big day of the year excellent well, I know
1: it's uh, it's very late in the UK. Um, thank you guys in the UK for joining us. And thank you all of the athletes and panelists for joining. Um, it's an hour, I promise to keep it tight. Um, I hope there was some good conversation here. Um, I think, you know, I, I think uh, everybody appreciates the amount of thought and effort that you guys are all putting into um, trying to keep the genre going. And And just representing it so well. So thank you guys again. And uh, hopefully the next time we will see each other on the road. All right. Have a good one, everybody.
0: A big thank you to Chris Lyman from Lyman Agency for including me in the conversation. It was great hearing what the pros were doing and great seeing all the faces we're so used to seeing out there on the trails and at the events. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. As usual, if you're enjoying what we're doing at The Gravel Ride, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app. We've also set up a page at buymeacoffee.com slash thegravelride if you're interested in financially supporting the podcast. I appreciate all the comments and emails I get, and if you need anything, feel free to reach out to craig at thegravelride.bike. Until next time, here's to finding some dirt under your wheels.